Welcome to Me Time, the podcast for women in midlife who've been taking care of everyone else and now say, it's my turn to take care of me. I'm Kim Aceto, health and self-care coach for women in midlife and your host. Thank you for spending your precious me time with me right now. Enjoy the show. Okay, so today I'm here with Cassie Christopher. Let me tell you about Cassie. Cassie Christopher is a body positive registered dietitian and founder of the Stress Less Weight Mastery. She's a postmenopausal weight loss expert and passionate about helping women love themselves better by healing emotional overeating. Cassie, welcome to the Me Time Midlife Podcast. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited. Me Time is critical to emotional eating. So this is a ah. good topic. Perfect. Well, um, actually, I'm going to I'm going to ask you, as you know, as a first time guest, what you enjoy doing during your me time. But before I do that, I just read your bio. Can you share because I think this is a term that we're beginning to see more and more, which is wonderful. Can you explain what you mean by body positive? Yeah, yeah. So what I mean by that is, while a component of my work is helping women to lose weight if they want to, um, I do not believe in shaming people um, or excluding them from any fun in life or eating uh, based on their size. And so when I say body positive, I'm talking about the work I do personally and also with my clients to help work towards body acceptance so that we don't feel like we have to be smaller in order to like ourselves. Mm. Oh, beautiful, beautiful. Right. And it, and it's in that body acceptance and not, not that we don't want to make improvements necessarily to our bodies. I think there are very few women I've ever met who don't want to make improvements or would like to see improvements, but it's accepting. And then coming from a, a place of, uh, you know, self-love and self-acceptance, right. And that's a, a, a healthier place to make changes, um, rather than a shame or guilt or disgust with one's body. Would you say that's along the same lines? So the weird thing about what you just said is I literally was just working on a blog post <laughs> about <laughs> this very topic, guilt, shame, and how those aren't helpful places to come from uh, when you're trying to make a change because um, guilt is self-punishment as a result. If you feel guilty about eating, the result is that you're going to try to punish yourself. And then shame makes you feel inherently, you know, unworthy. And so you're not going to choose the most optimal, loving uh, way to change or improve for yourself um, if you're trying to punish yourself or you feel unworthy of good care. Right, right. Okay, so I guess that, that's a yes. That's a yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. I had a lot to Great. say about it. <laughs> Great. Oh yeah. I mean, gosh, I mean, we could totally just talk about this topic. Um, so maybe we'll have you back and, yes. and just talk about this because yeah, I, I love this, this topic. And I think it's a very, very healthy way to, to be healthy. Um, but, uh, let's, let me, let me go back now to, uh, me time. So as a first time guest, why don't you share with us, uh, what you enjoy doing during your me time? Yeah, so I live in a small uh, beachside town uh, right outside of Seattle, Washington called Edmonds. And um, when I have me time, I go down to the beach by myself and I sit at a picnic table and I journal. 
or usually I have tea or coffee and I'm staring out at the waves, always thinking I'm seeing seals, but it's like a floating log or some <laughs> detritus, you know, maybe a seal. Yeah, yeah once in a while. exactly. <laughs> I, I also seals, but like, I, I think I think I see more than I actually do, but that's mm. how I love to spend my me time. That's great. That's good. What do you get out of that time of just sitting there in this beautiful scenery and journaling with some nice warm beverage? Yeah. You know, some of my core desired feelings in life are to feel expansive and authentic. And when I feel an expansive to me is like energized yet relaxed, you know, happy, open, growing. And so tuning in to myself through journaling and, and, and a lot of journaling for me is also dreaming about what I want and how I want to feel and, and where I want to go. Um, that to me just feels like I'm living my most, um, authentic version of myself. That's been allowing who I am to, yeah, expand and take up space. I love it. Beautiful. Beautiful. So let's get into our conversation today. We're going to be talking about emotional exhaustion, which is a pretty, you know, relevant topic right now, uh, during COVID, um, over the past, you know, what, two, almost two years or whatever it's been. Um, but regardless, regardless of COVID or not, um, emotional exhaustion is an area for women that is pretty prevalent. Um, so let's talk about, you know, that a little bit. So, you know, let me, let me just start by just asking you, like, how would a woman know, how would one listening know maybe if she is emotionally exhausted, what are some things you, you see with your clients? Let's say. Yeah. You know, I first want to say I'm not a a counselor or a therapist or psychiatrist. Um, So my perspective comes from being a registered dietitian and, and, you know, working with women 45 and up. And what I'm seeing is as the pandemic, you know, goes on and on and on and on, and then each new wave of, of, um, of difficulty happens at home and abroad in the world, Um, that I'm seeing that women are getting too overwhelmed and fatigued to think about caring for themselves or their health, you know, to, to take me time because they're just so exhausted. And, you know, I think, I think this is a really important topic as the holidays loom nearer and nearer, because I imagine that if someone's feeling emotionally exhausted, the idea of the holidays and, you know, whether they get together with family or not, or, you know, just the extra-ness of that time of year may make someone feel like they're just going to be pushed over the edge. Like it's too much. I can't deal with it. Maybe they shut down, you know, uh, and, and kind of go into like a protective escape. They're escaping with TV or books. Like they just can't feel, or they get pushed into more of a, I'm going to eat um, to numb my feelings, or I'm going to restrict to feel in control. So, so it can, um, in my work with people around emotional eating, you know, the food piece comes in here with either eating to numb how difficult the feelings are, um, or getting overly restrictive, um, as another form of numbing in some way. Right. I like to think that, well, I don't like this, but I like to think that, you know, the pandemic has really just accelerated, I guess, thing like issues that we've already had in our own lives, you know, 
um, whether it's feelings of, you know, loneliness or isolation, uh, lack of social connection or, um, you know, poor health habits, um, overeating, you know, all different kinds of, right. Lack of exercise. I mean, there's so many things and, um, the pandemic has really, I think like accelerated those things. Now, as we talk about the holidays that are right around the corner, they're going to be here before we know it. Um, I feel like that the, that the holidays also just accelerate or exacerbate like, you know, emotional exhaustion because you're bringing everything from the whole year. And of course the last couple of years with the pandemic, and you're bringing that into the holidays and the holidays are already stressful. Right. Um, and yeah, it can, it can just be a really hard time of year for, for everyone. And especially women who, you know, usually have to take on more. Um, or I don't, I don't want to say have to take on more, but usually do take on more responsibility, um, during the holidays. So yeah, I'm really glad that we're talking about this area, you know, and, and so let's talk about, you know, um, what, what else do you see as far as like, um, you know, emotional eating, like what, what is the connection, I guess, between, like emotional exhaustion and, and overeating, how does one lead to the other? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So the important thing to understand for anyone out there who is struggling with extra eating and you don't know why, maybe you don't know if it's emotional eating, you just know you're eating more than you want to. Um, and you might start to notice certain triggers like stress, being tired, emotional exhaustion, um, you know, to help understand some of those triggers for emotional eating. And then I want to get back to your question. Uh, I asked in my Facebook group, the emotional eating and women's wellness community. I just asked a couple of weeks ago, how are, how's everyone doing? <laughs> you know, like things are kind of crazy. How are you doing? And I got some really insightful answers. And, and I think a lot of these are triggers for eating, which is, you know, what we talked about in the group. Um, so somebody said, I'm experiencing so much anxiety. Someone said, I'm so sick of canceling trips that I had finally planned again. My husband's immune system is low. My grandkids finally go back to school next week after one and a half years of virtual school. In the midst of Delta rising, I pushed down fear just to have it rise again. I'm mad, scared, discouraged. Mm -hmm. So yeah. I think this emotional exhaustion that we're talking about is that overwhelming level of emotion that you just can't keep at bay. And the reason that someone might eat is because food in, in the act of eating actually works to keep those emotions at bay. And what I mean by this is when you eat anything, there's a whole host of neurotransmitters and hormones that get released to make you feel good. Um, and for some people, that response is even stronger. Uh, one, because they, um, they, you know, had that modeled to them from a young age, they learned eating makes you feel better. And they started to practice that, um, you know, in childhood, and then even into today. So many women I work with can say, Oh, yeah, my mom was an emotional eater. Oh, yeah, you know, they when when I cried, somebody handed me a cookie, you know, and, and so those mm -hmm. patterns can start early. But Another reason that, that it works so well, um, even if that isn't true, even if emotional eating maybe is developed more recently, is because when a food feels forbidden, as food often does if you're dieting or on some sort of restrictive eating plan, uh, you actually get a greater hit of the neurotransmitter dopamine, which is 
responsible for pleasure, reward, and motivation, and learning even, you get a greater hit of the neurotransmitter dopamine uh, when you eat something that feels forbidden. Which is why our splur, I, I don't like to say cheat meals because I don't, mm-hmm. I don't, I try not to, um, you know, look at foods as good or bad, right? Mm-hmm. Which I think we've grown up to kind of see, okay, you yeah. know, celery stick is good and, you know, I, I don't know, a lollipop is bad, you know, or something <laughs> like that. And then, you know, the reward system, like you were talking about. Um, but yeah, that's, um, that's, that's really interesting. Um, let's talk about, um, you know, like a little bit more about stress, right? Because that's something I talk about too. And, and how, you know, just when we do have that stress, um, how that leads to, you know, choosing, you know, the, the foods that we don't want to choose or choosing too much of the food of any type of food, you know, more than we want to be, um, eating, you know, and then, with the shame maybe that comes with that. You talked a little bit about guilt and shame. Let's talk a little bit more about that. Yeah. Oh, I love that. You know, stress, that's such a great topic. And, you know, it goes back to, you have good reasons for why you may be eating, just like the dopamine makes you feel good eating works. Um, when you're stressed, you get the uh, stress hormone cortisol to be released and research shows there's plenty of good studies that when cortisol is elevated people tend to eat more food and it's not carrot sticks or celery Mm -hmm. (laughs) it's more of the lollipop chips and cupcake variety i don't know why i said lollipop like i'm (laughs) seven or something you know (laughs) i like it um and, and interestingly, what I've found over the years in my work with people that these the stress eating or these stress hormones, stress as a trigger for eating results in two different types of cravings. One I call the cookie monster. And that's where you just feel like you have to grab the cookie. It's compulsive. It's impulsive. It's mindless. Usually you're like eating it and you can't really stop. You're like the cookie monster from Sesame Street. And then the other I call devil on your shoulder. And that's where your whole all day long, you're thinking about food, you know, where the food is in the pantry, and you're having to talk to that devil on your shoulder and use willpower and say, No, I'm not going to the pantry. So you're, you're just fighting, uh, eating all day long. So, so the cookie monster is more of an immediate craving. I have the craving now I'm eating now, whether you're aware of it or not. And the other type is kind of that prolonged taking up your mental energy to have to resist all day and stress results in either or both. You know, some people will say I have both (laughs) I'm I'm resisting all day. And then I finally give in and it's cookie monster time. Um, So understanding that these hormones, these stress hormones, I mean, if you're emotionally exhausted, you've got stress hormones on board. And you actually may uh, be in a state of adrenal fatigue, even meaning your body has just been pushing out and pumping out so many stress hormones that now you're almost low in stress hormones, which in my experience has the same result. You know, now you're eating from this level of tiredness and exhaustion. Um, And yeah, that's, that's not fun. That's not fun. No, no. And I think we can all relate to that. We can all relate. And, you know, I mean, I think it's important when it comes to shame and guilt and all of that and punishing ourselves, we have to realize that 
like not everything is within our control. You know, there are these stress hormones, there are just, you know, there are things that are physiological that are outside of our control that are happening inside our bodies that cause us to, you know, like, you know, want, want to eat certain foods. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, we just, it's important that we, you know, we manage those, those things, right. And manage them in different ways. But, you know, again, going back to, um, you know, like other things in our lives, right. Um, it's not just about the food, but it's about what is kind of causing, you know, you to want to choose those types of foods. So, I'm wondering if maybe we can give the listeners maybe some, some strategies, some tips, some, you know, things that can help them manage their emotional exhaustion, um, you know, now, and especially as we head into the holidays. So, um, I hope you have some in mind. I have a few that I'd like to share too. Um, maybe I will see how it goes, but maybe you can share one thing and I can share a thing and we can see how far we go with that a little bit. What are your thoughts? Sure. That sounds great. Okay. Um, you, you can start. What, what is, what is something that you think can help women um, manage their emotional exhaustion? Yeah. You know, uh, in my work, uh, with women, I have a program called the stressless weight mastery. I, I work around four pillars of self-care that allow you to feel in control around food and feel great in your body. And I'll just share what those four pillars are and can tell you a little bit about one of them maybe, um, as we have time. So the first pillar that you need to feel right, correct that exhaustion and and not feel out of control around food is hormone balance, which probably makes sense already having talked about stress Mm -hmm. hormones. The second is Mm self-compassion and self-compassion is important because it allows you to create a safe space. So you're not criticizing yourself. You're not judging yourself for having certain feelings. You create a safe space to feel your difficult emotions the things that you're trying to numb with food, basically self-compassion would allow you to safely be exhausted and Mm. kind of let that, the word that's coming to mind is let your freak flag fly about being (laughs) exhausted. Right. Right. We're so often kind of tamping that down. Like, Mm -hmm. Oh, I don't have time to be exhausted. Right. And maybe Um, we don't want to talk about it because, you know, I think we need to be open about our exhaustion as women. Mm -hmm you know, or else we feel like we're the only ones, right? I love that. And and one of the tenets, there's three elements of self-compassion. And one of them is actually common humanity. This idea that um, you aren't alone. Other people are experiencing this too. And there's so much great research out there around shame that talking about it with safe people helps you overcome it. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll briefly share the, the last two pillars. And then I, yeah. I would love to hear what your tips yeah. are. Um, the third is weight mastery. And what I mean by that is if you want to lose weight, having realistic and helpful goals that are are kind of in line with your health goals in line with, with what you want for your life, maybe mobility goals, while also like we talked about working on that self-acceptance because feeling shame about who you are, your size, your body that's only going to keep making it worse. That's going to add to that mental fatigue and exhaustion because you're constantly avoiding mirrors and feeling bad about yourself. Mm -hmm. Right. Right. Yeah. And I think it connects back to that body positive idea Mm -hmm. of accepting, you know, 
accepting your body and accepting, you know, even just where you are, you know, and, and I think that we all, I mean, at least I know you and I, and then the women listening, we all want to improve. We have areas of improvement that we want for ourselves, not because we should, that's what we want to try to get away from, but because we want to make these changes for ourselves and not for other people, not for our partner, not for, you know, anybody else, but we want to do these things for ourselves. So I love those four pillars. That's really great. Those were technically only three. Sorry. Oh, those were three. One. Oh shoot. What was the fourth one? <laughs> the fourth one is community track. support. That's all right. Okay. And, and that essentially goes with what we were talking about around common humanity and self-compassion. So um, right. there's the four, and I would love to hear from you some strategies that you're thinking for this time of year. Right. I love that. And then the self-compassion. Yeah, that's, it's beautiful. Um, so I also have four, you, you can, uh, I think that'll, that'll be good for listeners to, to remember the four and the four. Yes. Um, so I have four areas that I think are important to pay attention to as well. Um, you know, we're talking about food and eating, but we, again, like I said earlier, we have to see the other areas that are contributing to this overeating or, you know, whatever, whatever it is having to do with the way you're eating that you don't like. So listeners have heard this before, sleep, food, mood, and exercise are all connected. And when we improve one, we improve the others. So for example, if you're getting better sleep, you tend to make better food choices. You tend to have lower stress. You tend to want to exercise more or move your body. Um, but it works the other way as well. When you don't have a good night's sleep, which we all have sometimes, um, or all the time, hopefully not, but sometimes all the time when we don't get a good night's sleep, then we have a really hard time making healthy food choices. We also, um, tend to be, you know, more stressed throughout the day. We're tired. Um, you know, we might be short with our friends, our colleagues, our coworkers, you know, short with people. Um, and we tend to not feel like exercising, right? So, you know, you can, you can, exchange any of these with each other. And it works the same way as well. When we're choosing healthy foods, then we tend to sleep better. We tend to want to exercise. We tend to have lower stress. Um, and so anyway, these are my four areas. And so what I'm trying to say is, you know, if you feel like you have a food problem, I mean, I'm not the dietitian here. I'm a coach, right? So I think <laughs> I, I like how you talked about that. And I'll talk about this too. I'm not a psychologist, therapist, counselor, but I'm a coach. And, um, you know, I think that we need to, um, you know, look at these other areas of our lives and make sure that we're not just focused on the food. If we think that's the problem, but look at your sleep, look at your exercise, look at your stress and see if you can improve one of those areas. And in turn, maybe your, uh, eating will improve as well. So that's mine. I'll pass it back to you. Oh, I Do you have another one to share. That. Well, I, I kind of want to riff on yours if okay, I can, sure, because sure. these are such, such great tips. You know, uh, what I want to share is cortisol, the stress hormone cortisol mm -hmm. really mediates a lot of these relationships here. Um, and one thing that comes to mind in 2015, there was this meta-analysis where they looked at, I don't know, maybe 11 or 17 studies. I can't remember a lot of studies, um, and found that for every hour of sleep, you are deprived. You on average will eat an additional 380 calories. Mm. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. And so I just love, you know, so often we, you know, diet culture gets so hyper-focused on food 
and the eating part of things. And sometimes even movement too, there's subsets um, where there's this focus, but uh, stepping back and looking at how do you feel um, during the day? Uh, how are you? Yeah. How tired mm -hmm. are you? A lot of these things you're talking about can be triggers for emotional eating and dealing with them can help for sure. Right. And, and weight loss is not just about what you eat or what you don't eat, right? There's so many factors. And as you know, time goes on, we learn more and more about the factors that contribute to our weight loss or gain. I mean, even having healthy friendships, right? Mm -hmm. um, I mean, so many different things go into, into weight loss. So, so yeah. Okay. Back to you, Cassie. Well, I love that topic about weight loss and part of what, when I talk about weight mastery, you know, one of these four pillars of self-care is in order to get to a place where you can have a healthy relationship with food and also lose weight. And some believe those things are mutually exclusive, by the way, you know, there are people in camps who say you can't have both. Um, I, I am not in that camp, but you have to be able to eat in such a way um, that doesn't feel restrictive or depriving. Because the minute you feel restricted, especially if you're someone who struggles with eating to numb emotions or eating to soothe or comfort or eating for self-care, um, you're going to just be even more tempted by this restricted right. food. Right. And so I was talking earlier about splurges versus cheat meals. And like, I don't like to use the word cheat meals and I went off on something else, but I think, I think, you know, finding what works for you. And, um, I, I don't know what works for you, Cassie, but, um, but infusing splurge meals, uh, into my week is the best way that I can manage my weight. Right. So it's not about restricting, like never eating the you know, foods that we often see as forbidden or unhealthy or whatever it is, but incorporating those foods into my weekly, uh, food, you know, meals yeah. or whatever. Right. So that works for me. Um, what, what is your, what, what are your thoughts about, about that? Yeah. You know, and how relevant is this with holiday meals coming mm -hmm, up? Right. Um, I, pumpkin I, pie and yeah. all the, all of those things. <laughs> yes. So part of hormone balance is uh, making sure that your blood sugar is, is balanced throughout the day and you're getting anti-inflammatory nutrients because those help to, uh, balance the stress hormones. Um, and so blood sugar balance is all about making sure you're getting your protein, your fiber, these things that keep your blood sugar balanced. And if you can do that throughout the day, it doesn't matter so much what, uh, even what you eat. And that sounds, I mean, I'm not saying, <laughs> I think people get what I'm saying mm -hmm. here. It doesn't matter if you incorporate some of these, like you're saying, splurge foods into your day. If your blood sugar is balanced, um, it's not going to have the negative consequences as say it might, if you just had uh, a, a big piece of pie, you know, without thinking about how that fits into your overall day and your blood sugar balance. Um, and then with weight mastery, and we really work on boosting metabolism and two things that can help boost metabolism, um, are protein. There's the thermodynamic effect of food. So when you eat protein, it, it, your body has to work, um, and, and expend calories to use it. 
And then these fibrous foods. So the very same things that balance your blood sugar help boost your metabolism. And so if you're focusing on, let me get in as much of this fiber, these vegetables, this protein as I can. And I, re I recommend people do half a plate of vegetables as often as possible. And this is an easy strategy for holiday meals. It really doesn't matter so much what you are putting on the other half of your plate. Does that mm -hmm. make sense? Yeah. Yeah. I love that concept. And I totally agree with the, you know, put the vegetables on first, as opposed to, you know, we often put like the meat on first, right. Mm -hmm. And then we, whatever's left, then we put the vegetables. I mean, the vegetables are often last, but what if like, we're having a, you know, Christmas buffet, like we have in my family. And what if we put the vegetables first and the meat last, right? Maybe more people will, I mean, they do that at buffets, right? Because yes. actually the vegetables are, are cheaper than like the, than the, you know, the meat. So they put like, they want you to fill up on vegetables first. It actually works well, although it is a buffet. So I don't know if it cancels it out. <laughs> I think that they do rolls first, actually. Oh, do they? The oh, vegetables. well, that's smart. Cause that's the cheapest thing. Right. Yeah. <laughs> they take up real estate on your plate. Totally. And your stomach. Yeah. Yeah. That totally makes sense. Oh my gosh. We're almost out of time, but is there, was there anything else that you wanted to share as far as, um, you know, how women can manage, you know, holiday stress and exhaustion and eating as yeah. we approach them? I think the last thing I would say is this, you know, another comment I got from that Facebook group asking how everyone's doing is someone said she's feeling hopeless. And I think when exhaustion sets in, especially when many women I've worked with have been struggling with cycles of dieting and indulging and gaining weight back and whatnot for decades, um, it can start to feel very hopeless. But I think of a, a story of a woman who I've worked with in the Stressless Weight Mastery. And she went through this phase when we first started working together, chocolate made her anxious. She thought every time she'd have chocolate, she would just end up binging on it. Even to the point where I often have women do this exercise where um, kind of a, a mindful eating exercise where they put food in their mouth and savor it. She, she couldn't do it with chocolate. It was too scary for her. Um, and after working through some of these pillars, some of these root causes of eating that you and I have been talking about, um, she got to a place where not only did she go through a stressful time medically, and she was able to avoid binging because she cared for her emotions without food, but she also, and I love this, this was at Easter time, had this great story of buying out all of the Easter chocolate eggs for all of her grandkids and having so much fun creating these Easter baskets and being in the middle of all this chocolate. And number one, not really feeling like she wanted any because she already had chocolate that she was enjoying and she didn't need the eggs, um, didn't feel deprived, didn't eat it and wasn't afraid of it. Wow. What a great success story. I mean, that that's the goal, right? To have mastery over your food choices, I think is, is really, is really the goal here. Right. And then you have the power to make the choices you want to make, whether you eat it or not eat it. Right. Mm -hmm. I, I, so I love that you ended with that story. Um, Cassie it was so great talking with you. I love talking about this subject. And I mean, again, we could talk about body positivity. Maybe we'll have you back and talk about that, you know? Please. Um, so I'm going to put some links in the show notes for listeners to connect with you. You have a free hormone balancing guide to curb after, oh, after dinner overeating. So I'm going to put it. that in the uh, show notes. You also talked a few times about your 
uh, Facebook community called Emotional Eating and Women's Wellness Community. I'm going to put that link also in the show notes. And then you are on Instagram as well. And I'll put that handle in there as well. So Cassie, thank you so much for coming on. I enjoyed this conversation with you. And um, it was really, really great talking with you. Thank you. Of course. Thank you. If you find the Me Time Midlife podcast valuable, there are many ways you can support it. The best way is to simply tell your midlife friends about it. It also helps the show's visibility if you rate and review it on iTunes, Stitcher, or simply directly in your Apple Podcasts app if you listen to the show that way. And if you want more Me Time in your life and continue the conversations we have on the show with other women on a similar journey, consider joining our Me Time Midlife Community on Facebook. Simply search for Me Time Midlife Community in your Facebook search bar or go to metimemidlifepodcast.com to learn more. Thank you again for listening. And until next time, remember, you've been taking care of everyone else. It's your turn to take care of you.